Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bargamilis, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me, as per usual, is my co-host, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you feeling today? Eh. Eh. I still have, like, I, st- I don't have COVID. I keep taking tests, and I keep being negative. But as you can probably tell from my voice, I am not... 100% currently. You sounded much better than you did earlier this week. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's true. This the, Earlier this week, I was like, ooh, if she sounds like that, we are not going to be able to record this week. Well, you would have just had to find somebody to do it. It wasn't me. <laughs> One of these days, that is actually going to happen, and you're going to watch me panic. Um, no, it's true. I, I'm going to have to, like, call Janet, and, like, the two of us will just cry for, like, 50 minutes um, as we try and figure out how to do a podcast. Anyway, um, what are we talking about today? Today today is sort of like a catch-all end of the... We are approaching the end of the year, mm. so today is sort of a catch-all episode. Um, I forget what we call it. Did we call it Everything We Missed? Is that what we've decided to call it? I think that's what we called it last year, yeah. Basically, this is the episode where we're going to talk about some of the things that we liked from this year that we didn't get the chance to do an episode on on the show or talk about in some way. So who knows what will happen? It could be anything. <laughs> um, I was going to say, because, you know, there was definitely a point in the schedule um, where we constantly switched out what was coming at the beginning of november oh because they announced the crown that was what what it was because they announced the crown and like we'd had up until then we had switched out we had said well maybe we'll do this oh well maybe we'll do that well maybe we'll do the other thing and the crown came and we were like and none of that i believe we were going to talk about the suspect with aiden turner because aiden turner is a fan favorite around here but having watched and reviewed the suspect I am glad that we did not do that. <laughs> oh, and at one point I was also pushing to do the capture in that because I still think it is one of the best things that uh, Peacock has going for it. In fact, I uh, spoke to the showrunner um, when season two came out um, to sort of like find out like what his thought process was in making the show. Um, for those who haven't watched, the capture is the best thing on Peacock. I'm not going to. I mean, I liked everything um, I need to know about love. I, I've liked some of its other stuff, but the capture is just it's so good. It's um, basically the idea is it's it's a little bit science fiction. It's a little bit near future where they come up where where Ben Chen and the uh, showrunner came up with the concept of um, what he calls correction. And it's a euphemism. Basically, uh, the basically what happens is that the uh the world of um of of photoshop and uh and fixing videos has reached the point where it can easily and believably be made deep faking and the government has basically gained this program and it is now using deep fake technology to create evidence to convict wanted criminals that it knows committed crimes but they don't actually have like the slam dunk evidence it's all circumstantial and basically he came up with this because he did like a bunch of documentaries about like the criminal court system and realized how much like video was like if you had a video it was basically treated like a slam dunk thing and he was like well what if the video is faked and so he kind of came up with that season two takes it a step further and literally like the BBC gets hijacked at one point and 
a guy who a, a politician who is having an interview is literally deep faked live as he's interviewing. So he and his interviewer think they have one interview and literally no one else in the audience, including the people in the broadcast booth, have any idea what they really said. They think they said something completely different. They think the interview was a complete disaster instead. And it's 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 an amazing sort of who done it, and it's it's a really well done thriller, and just the concept of that technology is so terrifying because it's so close to what we could have today. I have only watched the very first episode of the capture, so I have nothing to add here except that that is creepy. Yeah, it's really and I don't creepy. Like it. And honestly, like as I said, it's of of of. If you're one of those people who's into police procedurals the way I am, I found this a really great twist on that. I found it a really great twist on sort of the government conspiracy stuff. Um, and and just the idea of it is so, as you said, creepy. Like it's it and it's so close to home. Um, that you that you get frustrated almost when you realize that they're being fooled and they can't tell. Anyway. Um, so yeah, that's my pitch for the capture. Uh, what you you've watched? I know you've reviewed a lot more stuff than I have this year that we didn't get to on the pod. Um, Dairy Girls, mm. the final season, the sadly sniff tear cry final season of Dairy Girls came to Netflix earlier this year, and it is. I mean, I'm very upset that the show is over. I feel like it could have just kept going forever because it's so good, but. As endings go, it's pretty perfect. Like they end it on uh, the vote on the Good Friday Accords and the girls are growing up and they have to like go out into the world and start making their own choices. And uh, it's so good. It's just so I, I mean, I feel like I'm not even selling it well enough here other than to just be like, it's so good. And I cried, but it's so good. And I cried. Um, I think I think the the parallels to the girls' lives and having to become adults and the Good Friday Accords is such an interesting juxtaposition because there's almost this level where, like, the world around them is taking responsibility and they, too, have to take responsibility and they all have to put away childish things now and 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 think about the future and think about what kind of world they want to see. And I, I thought that was really great. I also really liked because, you know, there's sort of a pairing off that goes on um, with, with. I'm actually just really sad that they didn't do more with Aaron and um, James. I thought they were really adorable. I actually really liked the fact that it wasn't that they didn't do a lot with that because I was really worried once I saw that that was where we were going, that it was going to sort of uh, upend the dynamic of the girls' relationship. And it really doesn't because they sort of downplay it. Like, it's there and everybody knows it's going to kind of happen. Well, actually, I think the opposite of that happens. I think she chooses the girls over the boyfriend. Yeah, I think so, too. And I really liked that. Um, can I just also say that Nicola Colton, um, who is a she's also in Bridgerton she literally made me cry in that last episode that was like she has the the fat boy slim concert experience I mean that whole episode is incredible but then it's just like a gut punch at the end oh can I also just say the music the music I love 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 I mean the 90s had some bangers Mm -hmm. that's all I gotta say about that um, so yeah, uh, Dairy Girl season three is definitely one that I I I, I second that. Um, I second that uh, nomination of shows that we didn't get to that you really need to watch. Um, and if you never watched Dairy Girls, really go watch all three all three seasons. It's not that long. There's only three seasons. You will fall in love. Um, yeah. 
Your turn. Uh, my turn. Um, actually, I'm going to bring up one that we are covering now at uh, at uh, televisions. Um, Slow Horses, which we didn't really have the bandwidth to deal with um, when it came out. Uh, season one came out in April on on Apple TV, and we didn't really have the bandwidth for it. It's Gary Oldman um, from adapted from the book Slow House, um, which is a it, it's basically a series of novels about like the incompetence in MI5. Um, and and they're called slow horses as a sort of a slow houses, you know, um, and it's sort of a joke, but they basically end up solving crimes. Um, and I really liked season one. And uh, our new contributor, Rory, is actually recapping season two for us. And I'm really glad because I think, uh, you know, Apple TV has uh, they, they stole away a lot of old HBO uh, producers and uh, people who, who developed shows um in the last couple of years. And I think you're we're really starting to see that in the sort of content they're producing. Um, that it's kind of it's it's got that same sort of like premium cable, uh, prestige TV type thing. And I think Soul Horses is a really good example of, you know, the kind of crime thriller that you get on that you used to get on HBO um in the mid-aughts. And I think this is a really good uh I think this is a really good version of it and that people should really tune in. Um, I also really love the fact that um, Kristen Scott Thomas is in it and she is just a badass. Another show that I have not watched. Oh, I know, babe. <laughs> Sorry. I feel like I tried to watch the first episode of it when it first came to Apple TV and I like fell asleep. I, I know a lot of people who really love it, so I should probably try again. But I also don't know if it's my lane. It is a police procedural. I mean, it is an MI5 procedural. And, you know, like MI5 itself, that sh which uh, which is what we renamed Spooks when it came over here. Um, I think that I, I think that it is definitely a lane that is not yours. But if you like this lane, this is a good lane. This is a good version of this lane. Uh, my turn. I will go with a show that I love that is not British, but close <gasps> enough to our lane of interests that I think a lot of our audience will enjoy it. And it is a German period drama oh! on Netflix called The Empress. And it is so good. Uh, can I just can I just absolutely interrupt? I'm so sorry. But, you know, the German shows that Netflix gets its hands on are startlingly good. Um, it, it, it's uh, uh, Babylon, um, it, it, Babylon something or other, that, uh, Babylon Berlin that came out a few years ago is another German show that was just startlingly good. And The Empress is another one where, you know, and they've got Dark and they've got 1899. Like, there's just a bunch of them that they've got that are really great. Well, I really like the em Empress for a lot of reasons. Number one, because I'm always a sucker for like a really good looking costume drama. Mm. And they clearly like spent Netflix money on this. It looks incredible. Um, but second, because I feel like a lot of times sort of the kind of lane of period dramas gets really stuck in a rut in terms of like we can only have stories that are like set in Tudor England or set in the Regency period or something. And this is really like set in a time period that I don't know anything about. It's uh, about Empress Elizabeth of Austria, uh, com known as Cece. And she's got like very, her her life has really weirdly interesting parallels to like Princess Diana. She like married for love, young, had a really like uncomfortable relationship with her mother-in-law. Like the people loved her. She was in, She was like the first sort of royal celebrity, I think is where I read somewhere. And it's really like it's very romantic. It's very political. It's very like her mother-in-law is all like, no, we must 
you know, pick a side between like Russia and, and France and, oh no, who cares about the poor people? But Cece wants to like help them have shoes and it's really good. And I, I really like, I feel like I need to do more reading on it because I should not trust a period drama to give me like actual history lessons. But I know so little about that period that I still feel like I learned something. Hmm. Um, I also know you really like The Outlaws uh, season two. Uh, I did love The Outlaws. It's a comedy. It's on Prime Video. And it is basically about this group of people who all get assigned to do. They're sort of like low level criminals who get assigned to do community service for a variety of crimes from like check forging to I don't know. I think somebody just had like petty theft or something. And there's someone was a shoplifter. And they all end up serving community service in this same building. And they find a bag of stolen money and just a whole bunch of stuff snowballs from there. And season in season two, they end up having to try to pay off the debt to like the crime lord whose money it was and all this other stuff. The cast is wonderful. It's really like funny. It's heartwarming. It's just really it's so much better than I thought it would be because it looked I thought it looked kind of like the trailers make it look sort of stupid. But it's it's great. Christopher Walken is amazing. Christopher Walken is having a nice little, you know, year and a half run here. Uh, who else is in it? Um, Stephen Mar- Stephen Merchant and Eleanor Tomlinson. Eleanor Tomlinson, right? She plays sort of like this snotty, rich social influencer, media influencer type girl, and it's very against type for her, and she's very good in it. I thought it was honestly just charming. I have not watched the the Outlaws, but I have uh, edited both of Lacey's uh, reviews of them, so I do know a little bit about it. And I think honestly, it does look really good. I just I have not had the bandwidth. Um, the show I was looking for the name of that I could not come up with earlier was Acorn's uh, big South African uh, debut. Uh, you know, usually Acorn Acorn doesn't always do like British shows. They do Australian, they do um, French, they do you know they do a New New Zealand. And they've now got their first really big sort of South African-based series, and it's called Recipes for Love and Murder. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Did not watch the show either. <laughs> um, this has a... It's, it's got Maria Doyle Kennedy in I know, it. I love her, but also it's not my lane. I know. Um, it's based on Sally Andrews' uh, Tanny Maria mystery novels. And basically, uh, Maria Doll Kennedy plays the columnist Maria, Tanny Maria, um, who goes from a cooking columnist to an agony aunt when she basically gets, uh, when they basically can her cooking column. And she basically is, is you know, an agony aunt. And she's like, oh, well, she gets a letter where she's like, can, should I leave my, my, my boyfriend? And she's like, oh, my gosh, you're in an abusive relationship. Yes, leave your boyfriend. And then the woman turns up dead. And she's like, oh, crap. Um, and of course, the stage looked like a suicide and she knows it's not. And there's a bunch of there's a bunch of mysteries that basically sort of come out of this. Um, it's a 10 episode series. Um, and she teams up with like a rival journalist who wants to be very serious, but is also sort of stuck because of budget cuts um, uh, played by Kylie Fisher. Um uh, the journalist's name is Jesse. I don't remember the last name. Um, but the two of them make a great pairing. Um, there's a lot of food involved, and I'm a foodie, and I love on-screen food. Um, and honestly, like, it's just, it's really cute, and it's really sweet, and it's really fun. And 
I honestly think like, you know, Britbox and uh, Acorn have been big into sort of bringing in these um, these sort of mystery shows that you used to get all the time on PBS. And this reminded me sort of as the kind of thing that I used to see on PBS in like the 80s and early 90s. And I really liked it. And I really think that people should check it out if they didn't get the chance to watch it. Um, I will say something I really enjoyed. Rory actually reviewed this for us, but I watched it and also really enjoyed it. And it is... Apparently, I'm just shilling for Prime Video today. It is the the English, which is a Western. I know. But done by British people. It stars Emily Blunt and a man named Chaska Spencer. And uh, its supporting cast is full of, like, all kinds of great people from Syrian Hines to... He's literally in everything right Mm -hmm. now. Uh, To other people who I'm forgetting. The whole cast is great. The show looks beautiful. It's really well done. Like, it's very strangely romantic and bittersweet in ways that I was not expecting and also really violent. <laughs> um, but I re- I was like, oh, this is going to be so boring. What do I care about like a British person's idea of what the American West is? But it turns out that they're a little more honest, I think, about some of the kind of problematic elements of like our myth of the American West than, than some Americans might be. And it was Emily Blunt is wonderful. She gets to shoot a bow and arrow. Like I, I was shocked by how much I liked it. Um, I uh, I didn't get a chance to uh, I didn't get a chance to see that one. Um, but I did uh, edit Rory's review. Um, and honestly, like I just just looking at the images, I was like, this is a gorgeous looking show. Like, oh, that was the thing that struck me. Um, oh my gosh, it's full of like these really like sort of wide angle long shots of people like riding a horse across some landscapes. It's so pretty. Hmm. Uh, I. It's so pretty is really like a totally a selling point to me. I'm not gonna lie. Um. Speaking of, it's so pretty. Um. Murder in Provence. Uh, I want to know if either of us are gonna pick something that the other one has seen before this is over. <laughs> Maybe not. Um. Murder. In- I, although I think we both did. We both watch Dairy Girls. We did, did both watch, watch Dairy Girls. Girls. So okay. There you so go. Dairy we- Girls may be the only one that we've both watched. Um. Murder in Provence. I checked out because um. As our regular listeners know, Endeavor is coming to an end. Um, it is already the it's already ended in the UK and it will come to an end on PBS this come uh, I guess this coming summer at some point because um, Endeavor always airs in the summer. Um, but Murder in Provence is basically Roger Allen going and you know solving crimes elsewhere, uh, in, specifically in Provence, um, as the title shows. And honestly, it's a gorgeous show. It's it's no it, it, it's. It's not a great mystery. I'm not going to lie. The books it's based on are okay. The uh, the the actual mystery itself is eh. Uh, they're based on the Verlank and Bonnet mysteries. You know, it's 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 very run of the mill. There's nothing like particularly interesting about, it, except for the fact that they are in France and it's Provence and it's gorgeous. And Roger Allen and he's paired with Nancy Carroll, and the two of them have just great chemistry. And it's one of those things where you can see how the police procedural is just such a popular and easy thing to do for television because all you need are a pair of stars that work well together and a really pretty place to do for them to be investigating and it doesn't really matter if the mystery works or not that's a really great selling point i guess <laughs> no i mean honestly like i did I, you know if we're i think there's gonna be a lot of people looking for something to pick up when endeavor ends um murder in provence hasn't gotten a second season but i do think this is one of the things that they should check out as sort of a carryover 
Like, that's what I'm... I, I think this is really something that Endeavor fans would like. But you would not. I'm not going to lie. No, I will never <laughs> watch that show. I'm not even going to pretend. I like Roger Allen, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's great. Uh, Let's see. My turn. I will pick something that Janet reviewed, but Ooh. that I also really loved, and that is Stars' Weird Dangerous Liaisons prequel. <sighs> Um, anybody who know listens to the show at all knows that I am really just a sucker for stars costume dramas of any stripe. Uh, even though I'm only two seasons into Outlander because I have to take a lot of breaks because of all the just like rampant rape. But dial <laughs> it down, show. Anyway, Dangerous Liaisons does not feature any rape that I can remember in its first season, and it is. I don't know. It's re- like its existence is kind of weird. Like it's sort of a prequel to the book and like the movie that was originally based on the book. It's the same characters. It's um the a young woman who, who will become the Marquis de Mertuel and a younger version of Valmont and it's showing you them when they were young and in love and kind of like scammers hustling for money and respect in Paris. And it's like in no way prestige or serious, but it knows it, which is actually what makes it great. So it doesn't try to really be like something it's not. It just knows that it is a fun show about scammers and great outfits. (laughs) And Leslie Manville is in it for the hot second. I mean, honestly, like so many shows have Leslie Manville right now. It's not even funny. Um, I mean, not that I'm complaining. I'm just a little confused. I mean, like, no going into it that it's not, like... Like, I look at the movie version of Dangerous Liaison, and that, to me, is, like, capital P prestige. Like, Glenn Close should have won an Oscar for that. It takes itself very seriously. Mm -hmm. The show does not take itself that seriously. (laughs) And that's part of the reason it's great. It's coming back for a second season. I had a great time watching it. I can't wait. Um, So I'd like to uh, mention... A show that is uh, not exactly British, but it is sort of British. Um, it stars uh, it stars Rice Darby, um, who is British, and it's about uh, it's 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 historically uh, about British pirates, um, and it's called Our Flag Means Death. The show is not British, but it is quite popular. Yes, the show itself is really not British. Um, in the same way that, like, uh, the Sandman was not British. Um, you know, it, it it would like to be British, and it's got a lot of British people. It's got a lot of people, British people, like behind the scenes and in the show. But it's also by uh, Takaya Watiti and. Uh, you know, he co-stars as Blackbeard. It's about a real British person. His name was Steed Bonnet. And he really did like up and leave his wife and decide to go pirating because he really hated being married to her that much. Like that is a real thing that happened. And he was really massively incompetent at being a pirate. That's also a real thing that happened. The rest of the show is not quite so historically accurate, but it is a whole lot of fun. It is surprisingly emotional. It is a very sweet show and it's the kind of show that by the time you reach the end of it you're smiling like an idiot even though you're crying because sad things happened and it's getting a second season next year it is very much heading towards cult classic status i think and honestly i want to warn people to get on this cult train um because it probably will only get a second season considering all of the upheaval over at hbo max um so you know get on board this cult train now because it is pulling out of the station 
since you mentioned it, I will give I will pick for my non non British but feels kind of British show is the Sandman because I, you know, in college Neil Gaiman's the Sandman graphic novel was really formative for me, not just as a person who reads who reads graphic novels and comics, but just like as a person who loves literature. And the Netflix version is surprisingly faithful to the source material and everybody in it is incredible. And it's worth your time. I, I would actually say not only is it surprisingly faithful, but for a show that is surprisingly faithful, it really does manage to translate the graphic novel into a televisual story in ways that I was not expecting it to be able to do. And it actually fixes some of the problems, too. I'm thinking about Calliope, mm, yeah. which is a story that involves some rape. But the show does it a lot more sensitively and just better. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I think this is one that we've both watched because we both reviewed it for different outlets. Um, I thought that Sandman was one of the better things that I saw on Netflix this year. And I've watched a lot of Netflix, y'all. <laughs> like, I have to watch Netflix. It's kind of my job. Um, and I really genuinely enjoyed The Sandman. And I was a little sad that it wasn't really British enough for us to cover here at Televisions. That it really did very obviously fall outside that line um, that we've sort of marked in the sand for ourselves um because it was such a delight to watch and it was it, it did have such it, it, and it's also just beautiful i'm not gonna lie it's just beautiful um i actually want to mention uh janet uh basically covered this one for us it's called the chelsea detective um i know this is one that that, that you didn't watch again surprise everyone lacy did not watch it it's an acorn tv uh mystery story um about uh basically set in the tony chelsea neighborhood um and uh Adrian Scarborough is kind of the, the the lead detective, and season one he has uh, Sunita Henry as his partner, who's uh, basically trying to come back to the forest as a mom and like balance like you know parenting and 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 her husband and being a careerist. Um, she's actually not going to be back for the second season. They're going to have a different person um, who is from a, a different part of the Met um, to team up with a uh, Max Arnold is Scarborough's uh, character, and she's going to bring like a different energy to it and i actually think that's pretty interesting um most of as i said you know a lot of these mysteries really um they run on the the chemistry between the leads and so changing up the leads in that sort of way is sort of uh, risky and i'm curious to see how season two goes but i'd like to encourage everybody to watch season one beforehand um you know all the episodes are you know out on acorn tv and i expect season two to come out probably about mid-year so yeah um i would suggest getting on that uh, I feel like I don't know that this is something that I would put on my best of the year list, but it's sort of the end of an era ish. So I will mention it. And that is the final season of Peaky Blinders, which ah. aired this year. Um, it's not really the final season because they're making a movie, mm -hmm. something that really casts a long shadow over the last set of episodes, because there's a lot of things that happen in it that feel like they have to happen because they have to set up the movie, mm -hmm. um, which is unfortunate. And so I feel like there wasn't the kind of closure that I really wanted. And I don't think... And let me caveat this by saying that this is no way the show's fault. Like, I don't know how they could have done it any better than they did it, but it never really recovered from losing Helen McCrory. Yeah. And I, I can't fault them for that. Like, she was incredible. And just the heart of that show and the heart went out of a lot of it with her death. And that's not their fault, but it is a it, it is it does make watching the final season a, a, a very different experience. 
Yeah, I think I think that was just really unfortunate for them all around. Um, I watched this is actually well, no, we both watched. Uh, where we both watched it. Um, the thing about Peaky Blinders that bothered me is that I came for closure and was told and found out there was a movie, and that irritated me in a way that I was not expecting it to. Usually, if like I'm being told, "Oh, there's a movie, we're going to keep going," well, and actually because there's something that happens at the very, I don't know, are we far enough away that I can just say yes, what it is? yes. Okay, so Tommy, so this is a spoiler alert. If you don't want to know what happens at the very end of Peaky Blinders, hit the skip forward button about like twice. But Tommy fakes his own death at the end of Peaky Blinders season six. And I actually thought that would have been a perfect ending Mm. for the show, for the whole franchise. Like that was he got his fresh start. He got to not be a Shelby. He got to leave behind all of the stuff that had been making him depressed and crazy. But we know that there's no way they're making a Peaky Blinders movie without Tommy Shelby. So they're just going to undo it all. And I, I mean, I thought the imagery of him burning the, the gypsy wagon and everything, it was like so well done if that had really been the end. Yeah, I, I, I think that's also part of what pissed me off is that I really wanted I wanted that to be the ending because it worked so well. And and that's why I was so irritated that like, oh, and we're going to get a movie now. Did you have to? Did you have to undo that? I, I, I you didn't have to undo that, y'all. You just didn't. Um. I actually would like to uh, mention, because we're not going to get to this because it is it did only just come out, um, but uh, The rich, uh, Riches, I keep wanting to call it The Riches, but it's not. It's Riches. I did call it The Riches for like half the year and then realized that it's only called Riches. Mm-hmm. It is uh, Black London's answer to succession. Um, it is very much a love letter to Black London and to the bougie sort of upper middle class of London. Um, and I think it's, you know, especially for Americans where we have such a sort of a, a difficult relationship with race and we sort of think of ourselves as 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 special in that way and seeing black culture in London which is very different from black culture in America and sort of being sort of immersed in it in this in in riches is part of for me was a fascinating experience and i absolutely i the show is it it's uh, basically it dropped all the episodes at once at the beginning of december um it is it is really great stuff and it's great the same way succession is great and i really hope that it gets more seasons i don't know if it will but um yeah, I I want to I want to put that out there that that if you are looking for something that just came out because we're not going to get to it obviously we only have one more episode where we clear where we basically like wrap up the year um this is one that I'm sorry that we don't have room for and I'm sorry that it sort of came out towards the end and didn't get a lot of push I mean honestly I saw more push for Three Pines which also came out the same day and is uh is is dropping two episodes a week with Alfred Molina and that I mean Three Pines is okay but Three Pines is okay, but Riches is 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 superior. Um, you said I reviewed a lot more stuff than you did, and I did, but you I did. reviewed a lot of things that were not good. <laughs> That's not um, fair. Well, that were not good, or that were disappointing, or that weren't I wanted them to be. Like I really wanted the Essex Serpent to be good, but it was not. Mm. It was really boring. Tom Hiddleston had a variety of great knitwear though so that might be reason enough for some people to watch it um what i only speak the truth hey 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 hey! i may have gone to the original knives out because chris evans in a sweater 
Oh, that sweater. <sighs> so, you know, I get the knitwear thing. Yeah, I wanted the Essex. The Essex Serpent, I really wanted it to be good and it wasn't. Well, you know, there's a lot of things I wanted to be good that wasn't. Um, I, uh, I, I recently for for uh, you guys, I always say at the end that I'm a staff writer for Leak Daily. I, I'm watching the uh, the Harry and Meghan documentary for them, and I, I think I wanted that to be a lot better than it was. Um, I also I wanted why to... you expected that to be good at all. Um, it's a very <laughs> well done piece of propaganda. Uh, but it's uh, yeah, I think I just I wanted more dirt. I'm a little disappointed how much how the lack of dirt in it, basically. What else did I what else did I watch? Those yeah, the suspect I said already. I was very disappointed in the suspect. I was very disappointed in the devil's hour, which <sighs> literally just got renewed for like two more seasons, and I have no idea how they're gonna get like two more seasons of content out of the show. Peter Capaldi's great in it though. You know what? Uh, uh, there's another one. Harry Wilde has been uh, renewed for two and three, and I can't figure out. I mean, I guess, but I like. I mean, at least that has like a definable formula. I yeah. can't even. I would need like 10 minutes to explain to you the plot of The Devil's Hour. <laughs> there's like multiple uni- multiple timelines and time travel and stuff. Like, I can't. Speaking of multiple timelines and time travel, I am so irritated with his dark materials. Oh, yeah, that was a... Uh... And the thing that's bad about it isn't that it's bad. It's just fine. It's fine. And it really looks great, and they clearly spent HBO money on it, and if you love the books, like, it's worth it just to see some of these incredible kind of visual set pieces that they come up with just like on screen but it is it could have been a lot more than it is yeah um i think it just it failed to understand that by the time it was being made we were long past we can do this for cgi for cgi's sake like you have to bring something new to it and they don't and that is really quite unfortunate it's doubly disappointing because i thought season two was so good yeah well because season two really did bring new things to it and that's partly because uh they were sort of forced to because you know lord asriel doesn't appear at all in book two and uh, mrs coulter is much reduced and so it's very in order to get the adults in they had to add to it and they had to change things up Mm, but i will tell you guys though james mcavoy looks great (laughs) he looks so good in this show like i it's almost worth it except he has like a lot of long monologues about like fighting the power of god or whatever so it's not like great from that perspective but he looks good um actually um i'm gonna bring up i'm gonna bring up a show that i think if i hadn't watched right before his dark materials i might not have been so irritated um this is one that is not british in the same way that uh the sandman is not british it's andor Oh, I'm only halfway through Andor, so don't say any big spoilers. Okay, I won't say anything. Bi- I won't say any big spoilers about it. Um, but it has a lot of our favorite British actors in it. You guys, it has uh, Anton Lesser in it, who is freaking amazing. Um, it has a lot. Like it has a lot of people. And if you, even if you don't love Star Wars, there's a real. Uh, it it manages to take the space wizards out of Star Wars and make Star I Wars. Tell, I will tell you guys though, as somebody who I am finally now watching Andor, but it's because I had to start it over. I made it through like the first three episodes the first time I was watching it. The first two episodes are incredibly boring, and you got to like power through it, and you actually have to like. I'm a person who tends to multitask when I watch TV. Like I'm usually doing something else while I'm watching. You like legit have to pay attention to the show, and the first two episodes are work. 
but then it gets really good. Um, the thing about Andor is that it's really an exploration of the sacrifices you make to have a revolution. And because of when Andor started and then Dairy Girls 3 landed at the same time, there was very much a, a sense that I got about thinking about, you know, what it is, the sacrifices that you make and what happens when peace comes and is what you do is 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 do the ends justify the means what happens if you make peace and and you've done all these atrocities and you and and you don't and you have to deal with that and you have to live with that for the rest of your life and there's a level to James McAvoy's performance as Lord Azrael that has zero reflection in that and zero sympathy towards the atrocities that he's committing to, well, to I think that, I think that's fine because that's exactly what he's like in the book. It's too flat. But the problem the problem is the problem with his dark materials is that the Amber Spyglass is by far the like densest, mm. most difficult book of the trilogy. So it was always going to be a challenge to put it on TV. It's literally like they introduce basically God and angels and heaven and they're literally fighting a war against the angels and there's like a hundred page detour into the land of the dead that the show turns into like a two episode detour into the land of the dead and it's like it's all very interesting and sort of like a philosophy 101 i'm going to debate this out with you kind of way but watching it on screen does not work at least not the way that they did it um it definitely does not work but i also just i wanted more nuance to lord asriel and i wanted more nuance to mrs coulter and I, I, I'm not getting either of that. And I just had it in spades over on freaking Star Wars of all things. Um, and that to me is, I think, part of the problem. Like if I hadn't just had that, I might not have been so irritated by it, if that makes sense. I mean, I hadn't seen Andrew yet and I was still irritated, but I wasn't irritated about that. <laughs> okay. I was irritated about other things. Although the little mulefa, what are they? The little elephant with wheelies on their feet, they're adorable. Uh, the, uh, actually, they're more like antelopes um, with, the, with the wheelies on their feet. But yes, they are adorable. They are like a safari animal with wheels. They're, 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 they're adorable in the book and they're adorable in the show, but they don't do much other than just be like wheelie dudes. Know, on... just, the pro- the, actually, what I didn't say, what I could have said before to get my point across more succinctly is there's just like a lot because of because so much of the third book of this trilogy and actually the entire trilogy is so like esoteric and kind of philosophical Mm. a lot of it is just people talking and it's people like sometimes they're talking to other people sometimes they're just sort of explaining stuff like to the audience sometimes they're talking to cute little safari animals and like it's just like endless monologuing and conversations and exposition so you get just a lot of that and not a lot of anything happening and then when something does happen you have no idea why it's happening all right um my last one that i'm gonna bring up um because we're starting to run short on time uh is another one that it's gonna be on netflix christmas day but it's in theaters now and i've seen it and it's matilda the musical and my gosh this musical is adorable I, I, if there is, if you're looking for something to stream Christmas Day that your children are going to watch over and over again, okay, well, maybe then that's not actually selling that properly. But um, if you can steal the remote away and make sure that they don't watch it over and over and over again until your ears bleed, uh, Matilda Netflix's opening salvo in the Dollyverse is quite good. 
You know, and the thing is, is that they've basically taken Netflix has taken the rights to like everything Roald Dahl ever wrote. So we're going to get like a ton more of Dahl from them in the coming years. Matilda the Musical, they actually got before they bought the rights to everything else. But they sort of put a thing at the front that sort of makes you realize this is their their opening salvo and they're treating it as such. And it is it is it is really sweet and it's really fun and it's very high energy. Um I do think I should have had subtitles, though, because sometimes trying to understand the kids and their very thick accents is a little hard. <laughs> is it is is this the same musical that was like in the West End? Yes, this is. No, this is the this is the film adaptation of the 2011 West End musical. This is oh. not a musical version of Matilda the movie, um, which it can be confusing to people because, you know, like the producers, there was a famous movie and they made a musical, so it was a musical of the movie. This is not a musical of the movie. This is a movie of the musical. I hope that makes sense. Say that like five times five. Seriously. <laughs> anyway, um, do you have any finals? Um, I have a final, but it's a conditional final. Okay. And it's because we didn't talk about Doctor Who. <gasps> oh! Um, and I can't really blame us because the power of the doctor writ large is not very good. But I would like to shout out, uh, well, Jodie Whittaker for existing and thank you for being our doctor. But mostly I would like to shout it out for the fact that it gave me um, Sophie Aldred and uh, Janet Fielding back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ace and Tegan are incredible. I was so impressed by the way that the show actually gave them relevant and meaningful arcs that justified their presence in the special as opposed to the fan service I thought we were going to get. Yeah. I actually think Ace had a more satisfying and complete arc than Yaz or the Doctor, for that matter, really did. And I loved that part of it, even if the rest of it had some problems. Um, Yeah, you know, I, I sort of forgot the fact that we didn't talk about Doctor Who much this year on the pod. Um, And that's partly because this farewell of Jodie Whittaker's, this this sort of year's worth of specials that, that sort of closed out her run the same way that Tennant had that. It's very um, uneven. Has been largely and incredibly overshadowed by um bad you know Davies coming back bad wolf being bought up by Sony and then taking 51% of the rights to Doctor Who so that BBC only for the first time is the minority owner on its own flagship show um the whole like the fact that they're trying to take it and make it like culturally relevant to young people again the the casting of Gatwa and the moving it to from BBC America to Disney Plus. Um, there's just, I mean, that is all sort of over that, that so much of that just really overshadowed the end of the Chibnall era and Whitaker's final run. And I'm really sorry for that because, you know, honestly, like this was our first female doctor, guys. I, it meant something. It really did. Yeah, she deserved better for sure. Mm hmm. And and um, I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to talk about it on the pod, but honestly, I sort of felt like after the disaster that was last season. Um, I mean, this the, these specials were at least better than Flux, but that doesn't say that's not that saying much. much. I mean, you know, and I think in a way they were better because they were all one offs. And that's actually something that Chipnell was very strong about. Um, he always managed to root them in history, which was also something he was very strong about. He did play to his strengths in these final episodes, which helped. But as you note, and it was very, very painfully obvious 
the doctor and Yaz did not really have a satisfying arc for their ending. And that Ace did though. <sighs> Ace did. I I'm know. so happy about that. I, I, I honestly because Ace's world was cut short in, in when I was a child, that actually, you know, that did make me happy too. Um, but I still I I was very I, I I would like if there was a way for Davies to bring them back in a few years and find a way to to wrap them up better. I would really appreciate it. I'm also just saying that I would watch a spinoff about like the companion support group. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Oh my heavens, yes! If I mean, we're looking for spinoff ideas, Russell, and 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 we know you're looking for spinoff ideas, Russell. We know you are. Um, I would one thousand percent be there for that show, um, because it would be a more adult version of the Sarah Jane Adventures, honestly. And uh, I liked the Sarah Jane Adventures, even if it was for kids. Like I thought it was cute, and I, I think that this has a real. I think that that concept has real potential. You know, um. Also, I just um the whole David Tennant thing coming back. I'm I don't know how I feel about this whole Fourteenth Doctor pushing got one of the Fifteenth Doctor thing. I just don't think it's I just don't think it's true. You I've gone on a length about this on other podcasts, but I um I'm almost positive that what will happen with whatever Tennant's new Doctor is will be the same thing that happened with John Hurt and with um Joe Martin's Doctors that they'll end up with some kind of weird like sub name like the war doctor or the fugitive doctor that doesn't mess up the numbering except the thing is is that the the press releases all now call Gatwa the 15th doctor yeah they're lying <laughs> i don't know why like why are you believing that like it's like you have it's like you just entered this fandom today <laughs> like maybe today he's the 14th doctor but talk to me on like november 25th <laughs> I'm so sorry for being new. What was I thinking? I mean, like, <laughs> hi, you've been. A, do you not remember when John Hurt came on? I do like, remember very well. Um, and yeah, maybe that's what they're doing with Tenet. Um, I don't know. I uh, I do like the fact that he that they really have made an effort to make him look different than he did in the tenth as the, as the tenth Doctor. I actually really think we were robbed of him being in Jody's outfit, but that's. Um, I understand why they didn't do that because honestly, um, turf issues are just, and 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 yeah, trans issues are so bad in the UK right now, um, and culturally, I understand why David felt that he needed to sidestep that, but I w- I was sorry too in the moment, but when I read his explanation, I was like, yeah. Yeah, he didn't, he, he knew that that would be a problem if he stepped in it, and he just couldn't do it. Um, so I, I, I understand why. I, I'm sorry that I'm sorry that society today is in a place where he felt he had to do that. I have lots more thoughts on this, but this episode is already long, and it's not about Doctor Who. So I'm gonna call time. Okay. And ask you to tell people where you live online. Uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle basically everywhere. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my very fuzzy cats and their very fuzzy bellies being very fuzzy on at Annie Bundle on Instagram. I'm a staff writer at Elite Daily and the associate editor here at Televisions, and I also freelance around the web. Um, and uh, I think by the time this comes out, I'm going to have re- reviewed 1923 with uh, Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren. And uh, yeah, I, I that just uh, if you want to know what i've written today i don't know um i'm still sort of tweeting so maybe try twitter maybe try facebook maybe try i don't know whatever whatever like social media you want to try 
something. <laughs> uh, I am Lacey MB on Twitter and virtually everywhere else around the internet. So come and be my friend if you want more of my opinions on all things Doctor Who or otherwise, or just the cat pictures is great too. Uh, the site and the pod are on social media at Televisions Blog, all one word on Facebook, and Tele underscore Visions on Twitter. You can find us at uh, televisions.org. And if you like what we do, you can click on that donate button up top to help us keep making more news and recaps and podcasts and lists. And I don't even know whatever else all we publish on this website that we live on. Uh, I'm keeping it short today because I'm <laughs> struggling. But thank you guys, as always, for listening. Uh, happy holidays a little bit early. We've got one more episode coming for you this year, which will be a big old roundtable where we talk about everything we watched this year, but that we actually talked about on the site. I don't know. It's messy. It'll be a big fun time. That I can promise you. In the meantime, please go get a flu shot, a COVID booster, whatever you can to protect yourself from crap like whatever it is that I have currently because it's not fun. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Do something nice for a neighbor because it's the holidays and we should. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.